Welcome to Wired AF. I'm Brandon. I'm a nutritionist and the head coach at Ducati Fitness. I'm joined by Steph. I'm Steph. I'm an osteopath and a Pilates instructor. Took us so long to do the intro today. <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoy this so episode. Long. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about plant-based diets. This is an area that I think is uh, quite popular at the moment. People are really into vegetarian, vegan, plant-based diets. So I guess we just sort of want to talk about what the difference is between them all. Um, I've been vegetarian. I've been vegan. I've been plant-based. Um, I would probably be a pescatarian now, perhaps, if we're going to give it a label. I try not to label how I eat now, but... We'll talk about what pescatarian is later. Yep, we will. We'll give you guys definitions. But um, people like to fall into these labels and these groups of what they like to eat. And I guess we just want to make sure you guys understand what each of those things are. And also, like, the benefits and limitations of why people choose to uh, follow these diets from a health and well-being perspective. And a lot of my clients have come to me in the past wanting to do this kind of diet, mainly for the focus on trying to lose weight and thinking that a plant-based diet is going to help them lose weight, where the main focus and something that I always try to explain to them is, well, it comes down to what kind of foods are they eating anyway um, Mm. and then what kind of how many calories are they going to be consuming because ultimately there's not like a magic food that's going to make you lose weight. If you were to only eat um, vegetables, then it's very likely you would lose weight, but not because you're eating vegetables, just because vegetables don't have a lot of calories. So you're probably just going to lose weight from not eating a lot of calories, but it's not the plant-based diet that actually made you lose the weight, if that makes sense. And that's where I think a lot of people go wrong and where the media definitely misleads people down the path of vegetarian and vegan diets. But there's definitely a lot of positive things that come out of vegetarian and vegan diets that people can definitely implement. And there's also like anything there are some drawbacks or some areas that people can if they're not prepared um, struggle with yeah exactly so I guess the first thing we'll get into is our definitions so the first definition we've got here is pescatarian so a pescatarian is a person who doesn't eat meat but they will eat seafood so this means that they won't eat chicken beef pork or any land animals but they'll still eat fish and seafood usually these people also will still eat eggs and dairy as well Perfect. That's something that Steph's working on at the moment. Mm. So just implementing a little bit of seafood here and there, but not necessarily being super strict in terms of how much um, meat you consume. Mm. Pretty straightforward. What's the next one? The next one is vegetarian. So a vegetarian is a person who doesn't eat any meat or fish, but usually they'll still eat dairy and eggs. There are kind of subcategories here of a vegetarian. There are some vegetarians who don't have milk or dairy, and then there are others who don't have eggs. Um, I think that's more just a personal preference. But yeah, typical... Typically, your vegetarian will just not have any meat, but eggs and dairy are still a go. And then we have vegan diet, which is a little bit um, similar to vegetarian, except it just excludes all the animal products. So mainly focusing on anything that's been any, any, all plant-based items, but no animal products. So that includes honey as well. So people Mm -hmm. who don't know, honey is obviously made from bees. So then honey is considered, uh, 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 an animal product, basically. Yeah, an animal product, yeah. exactly. So vegans don't have yep. that. And Even in something like lollies as well, there's gelatin. So they won't have lollies because there's gelatin in the lollies and gelatin comes from cows. Yeah. So like simple things that you may not think of, vegans will just be a little bit stricter in terms of not having any animal product at all in their food. So no meat, no eggs, no dairy, and then nothing in any of their food that has animal products from it. Perfect. And then plant-based. So plant-based is some, it's I guess a little bit vaguer. It's saying that you mostly eat plants, 
but it allows the consumption of animal product, animal products still. So you're kind of, I guess, mostly having grains, cereals, legumes, vegetables, fruits, things from the earth, nuts and seeds, things that come naturally from the earth, but then you are still having things like eggs, dairy and animal products if you want to or if you feel like you need to. So I guess that's the difference there is it's you're mostly getting your calories from those natural sources, um, plant-based sources, but yeah, you still do allow yourself those other things as well on occasion. And I think that's where a lot of the population mm. generally would fall into. People would probably, would most likely be plant-based or mm. a lot of people would be plant-based without realising. They probably have meat. Oh, I don't well, know about probably the have, general population. Well, they have meat probably once, yeah. once, one to twice a week at home. You reckon? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I don't know. I think a lot of it's people have meat at every me. meal. Oh yeah, because you eat meat at every meal, so <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah. But like, I think people typically like to do that meat and three veg for dinner. That's like you kind of traditional Aussie or English meal perhaps that maybe, I don't know, but that's just our assumptions. Yeah, I guess. Well, we don't know what everyone I see eats. definitely have meat maybe, you know, two to three times a week. I don't yep. like say for a dinner. I don't, I think the clients that I've worked with in the past because of them wanting to be more or focus on a plant-based diet, they definitely have implemented things mm. that they've learned or meals that they've cooked and meals that they've enjoyed into those things. Yeah. So that works really well for them. But that's just, I guess my sample population is quite skewed compared to obviously the rest of the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. That's no, all good. Um, so I guess some of the benefits or and benefits and limitations, we're not doing this in any particular order, but there are some really great things about following any of these diets, whether they're plant-based, vegetarian, vegan or pescatarian. So there's some really great benefits, but of course there's some limitations as well. So there's some things that I guess um, you might be lacking if you are following these diets, or it might even be a little bit restrictive for some people and may not be beneficial for some people. The first thing we want to talk about is obviously the food labels and mm. people that look at the food and try and I guess label themselves as following a particular diet rather than just calling themselves uh, or rather just identifying that as how they eat. Mm. And then I guess if you're in a position where I've seen some clients before where they do they're doing a vegetarian diet just purely because they want to lose weight but then they feel bad if they eat meat or meat or they kind of like feel bad if they I guess they cheat on their diet by adding things that they said they wouldn't add into where if they're comfortable with it before there's no real harm in in them doing it so there's that area where they can be quite restrictive in terms of the foods that they're going to be eating so it can make it for an issue down the track with kind of how they look at food and what they're allowing themselves to eat I've seen in the past where people are already allergic to things like nuts and eggs. So then naturally it's quite easy for them to be on a vegan diet because they they feel like they're already limited with the options that they have. Mm. Whether or not that's appropriate, that's for them to decide. But then I'll work with them to make sure that they're getting adequate protein intake from other things like beans and legumes. So that works quite well in any way and there can still be some really good health outcomes from it. Mm. The other thing that we see is people that come to us who want to do a vegan or a vegetarian-based diet or a plant-based diet people often don't know where to start with preparing food yeah. that comes without meat or food that um, isn't centered around meat as the main proportion or main main uh, portion of protein and then um, having like you know just as we spoke before that meat and three veg kind of thing where people kind of own that mindset of this is what your meal is meant to look like and they can't really think outside the box and understand that well no you can have things like a lentil dal you can have um, baked beans or like you can make your own baked beans or you yeah. can have your own um, you know salsas and stir fries that aren't mm. you know that have tofu in them that aren't 
uh, just centered around meat as well. So in that sense, it can make people really good in the kitchen and can make them work on their cooking skills, which then helps them in the long term if they were to change to a meat diet or in, uh, if they were to add meat into their diet yeah. and then they have like a re- some really good cooking skills that they can implement. Yeah, I think people like it can go two ways. So there's people who like to cook and will explore different options and will actually experiment quite well with um, different ways to cook food, such as with lentils and beans and, and just with grains and vegetables in general. So it can go that way. Uh, or it can go the opposite way where people tend to buy the prepackaged vegetarian or vegan options. So like the veggie burgers or the, um, you know, the convenient chicken schnitzels or the fr- in the freezer the section. as well. Yeah, they get the fake meat. Um, and that's, I think that's kind of the easy way into it, but it's also very expensive. So that's the other problem is that, you know, if you're cooking your own meals, yes, it's a bit more time uh, it takes a bit more time to prepare the meals and you got to find the recipes and you got to practice and you got to learn how to cook basically. But it is will be cheaper if you do it that way. Whereas if you rely solely on those vegetarian pre-packaged options or replacements, it's basically a meat replacement, um, then you're going to find that it's going to add up very quickly and it's actually going to become more expensive if you're following vegetarian or vegan diets that way. So um, I think, yeah, it, it can go two ways for people. Um, I spoke to someone the other day actually about this and she went vegan and her partner went vegan maybe eight months ago and I lent them my cookbook, my vegan cookbook, and it's an awesome cookbook, really easy to use, really simple recipes and it's really cheap to get the ingredients for everything. It's basically just like lots of lentils and veggies and rice, right? Um, And she – I don't think she used it because she was telling me how expensive it is Mm. to buy all the the replacement meats for her and her partner. And I was like, what are you you getting? It's like, oh, I'm I'm getting the pre-cooked fake chicken schnitzels and I was like – okay, they're like $8 a packet for two of them. Mm. Of course it's, it's costing you an arm and like, yeah. Whereas if you're buying a packet of rice, like, come on, you you got you to gotta think about these things. If it, It's great to have those replacements as a quick and easy alternative every, every so often. Like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I do that too. It's really convenient sometimes to have, you know, veggie burgers or just something easy that you can do when you don't feel like making something. But I think if you rely solely on that, you are um, kind of missing out on that cooking experience and it's going to cost more. <laughs> yeah. So as Steph mentioned, one thing's the cost of the actual thing, but then the other thing is adherence to the mm. diet itself. So if your goal is to lose weight or your goal is to, you know, stick to the diet or stick to a particular way of eating, if you're not cooking cooking or putting the time into meal preparation or investing in um, buying the ingredients, often I find people aren't successful at adhering to it at all. So I find that with all the clients that I've worked with, when they get to a point where they're like, oh, I really want to um, learn how to cook or I really want to improve how I'm cooking or I really want to put time into cooking, uh, preparing my meals. Mm-hmm. That's when I find they make the best progress just yeah. from what I've seen. So I find if you can get clients that are like, oh, you know, um, can you show me a recipe book or can you send me a few recipes that I can work on or um, if, it's, if it's in nutrition coaching and, and people want to work on that, then that's something that they'll definitely stick to and they'll work on and they'll actually they're most likely to want to continue with it and then get the results that they want to people that if you're gonna do you know not saying this is bad but if you're gonna do say you choose the vegan option on uber eats every night that's not gonna make you like it's not necessarily gonna make you lose weight just because you chose the vegan option Mm -hmm. i think that's where people are kind of misled Mm -hmm. and it's more about the amount of calories you're consuming the what 
what's the quality of food they're consuming and that you can control for when you're at home and Mm. can be a lot easier to manage so Mm -hmm. that you can actually have those so you can actually work towards those goals that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and it's also easier to hit a nutrient target. So another pro- problem, it's not like we're trying to go into a lot of problems with these diets. There are benefits, of course, as well. But another problem with these is that sometimes people don't hit enough or get enough nutrients of certain um, certain nutrient groups. So uh, there's a big one with protein. It's often hard to get enough protein unless you're having, you know, legumes or um, tofu is a really great source as well. Nuts is another one too. Lots of veggies and grains also have protein and, and just not in high amounts even yeah. if you're vegetarian having eggs and having mm. like um, milk and stuff yep. like that and some dairy products is yep. going to be more than enough to get your yeah. protein intake people often mm. find that well, people often say to me oh they're not having enough protein they'll have like over way more than what they need to be and it's really easy to get yeah. I find it's really easy to get if you know intake. how to get it yeah and honestly it's not rocket science they're like Steph mentioned nuts dairy products mm. and then eggs and then there's um, beans and legumes they're all going to contain and lentils they're all going to contain um, high amounts of protein yeah. per gram yep. and that's what Steph was talking about mm-hmm. where she was talking about nutrient quality so that's about you know per gram of food you're having how many nutrients or does it have a good quality of macro and mm. micronutrients in that gram yep. um, of food so that's the difference between choosing those pre-packaged things and choosing something that's real yeah. food or Even, more, yeah. you know, more of a raw ingredient. Exactly. Like if you're eating real food, you're actually going to be able to get those nutrients a lot more easily. Another one that people struggle with is iron um, and also vitamin B12 is another one for those that are on vegan diets because those particular nutrients don't um, come in as higher quantities in uh, non-meat products. You can still get them and find them, but it's just a little bit more difficult. So um, you just have to pay a bit more attention, I think, to the food that you're eating you can't just replace it with you know your packet stuff um because you're not going to have as much success so i guess that's the point we're trying to get across there yeah with iron and stuff like that often you'll see the things like um lentils has more protein um than uh steak and stuff like that and it's interesting because for the amount of steak that you'd have to eat is only quite a small amount to get that same amount of of um protein from lentils Mm. but you know lentils might be higher in uh protein than steak or might have a similar amount but how many lentils would you have to eat it's just excessive and Mm. it's no no one's expecting anyone to eat that amount so that's why you kind of have to you know structure your snacks and and structure your meals accordingly so that you can still hit your nutrient target Mm. so you do feel like you have energy and you do feel like you're um, going to progress with your diet because you know if you if your goal is obviously to be quite active and to to improve your fitness and and if you listen to this podcast you probably do some kind of exercise <laughs> so then if your goal is to do all those things then you want to be able to you know perform in the gym so then it's important as to you know the quality of food that you're getting yeah exactly um So I guess with that, like there's some combinations that are really good to get enough of those nutrients, especially amino acids, because typically um, the plant-based sources of protein aren't a complete protein, I think they say. So you need to have a combination. So for example, rice and lentils or rice and beans, and then you'll get the complete amount of amino acids you need to create enough protein for your body. Exactly. That's correct? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that's something we can go into more detail in future Mm. episodes. But for example, amino amino acids that are found your body can naturally produce, and there's Mm. some that are found um, completely from consuming animal products. And there are others that obviously if you just cut out all animal products altogether, Mm -hmm. then you're likely to miss out on these. And that's something that we can work on in future episodes Mm -hmm. and and kind of go more into detail with these diets. 
the positive sides of things, uh, mm-hmm. going back to that kind of stuff, with the with these kind of vegetarian and uh, vegan diets, especially vegetarian, we see that um, there's lots and lots of studies that talk about how vegetarian diets are more likely to have reduced um, or improved health outcomes. Mm. So that's reduction in hypertension or reduced high blood pressure and also um, cancer-related dis- diseases. Yep. Sorry. Uh, diet-related cancers reduces yes. in them. And then you've also got reduction in cardiovascular disease. So in general, there's a lot of improved heart health from focusing on vegetarian diet purely because you're likely to be um, purely because you're likely to be consuming less cholesterol uh, and less animal fats, which are a lot more difficult to be broken down and can mm. be stored in your arteries. Uh, yep. And if we just look at, you know, it depends on what kind of diet the person was previously on, but... Um, our goal as uh, as coaches and as trainers is obviously you know we'll work with whatever the client wants to you know try and focus on if they, if they want to choose a vegan diet or for, for ethical reasons um, we'll work with them but we always in, encourage people to have a wide range of foods and and to limit the amount of I guess um, you know limiting or restricting uh, and missing out on food groups as such yeah so we want to try and incorporate as many food groups as, as possible or as much as the person is willing to um, put into their diet Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons I, one of the main reasons I chose to sort of go vegetarian in the first place was for heart health and the benefits related around that. Um, there's also benefits for reducing the risk of diabetes and obesity. So, um, and I think there's a lot of other things as well, like you said, some cancers. Um, so it's, there are definitely a lot of benefits and especially if you're eating less of the processed foods. So if you're eating more of those plant-based foods and of you're going to do a lot better anyways. There's, um, I'm reading this book at the moment called Ikigai and it talks about the blue zones in the earth and there's basically five blue zones and that talks about the diets that these people in the blue zones eat and these blue zone, people in the blue zones around the world, basically they live to the long, they live the longest in the world. They're really healthy. They've got a really high proportion of people who are in their hundreds um, and living really full and healthy lives and they talk a little bit about how their diet is helping them to achieve that. Not only their diet, but other things too. And uh, a lot of them are, I would probably say pescatarian if we're putting a label on it, but they eat mostly plants. They don't have processed foods. You know, they have beans, legumes, um, grains such as rice. They have their nuts, their fresh fruit, their vegetables. They have a little bit of fish a couple of times a week um, and they sort of eat lower amounts of meat. So definitely there are benefits I'm not saying that, you know, if everyone who goes on these diets are going to live to over 100, but yeah, there are definitely health benefits for vegetarian, vegan and pescatarian diets. Exactly. And as Steph mentioned, so with living longer, something that we're going to get through. So at the moment we've got book club, which is Atomic Habits, (laughs) but in the future, obviously one of our episodes will be on Eat Like the Animals. Mm -hmm. And so in that book, David talks about how there's two main pathways. One's for reproduction and one is for longevity of life. Mm -hmm. And we see that a lower protein diet, which is seen in those uh, Okinawa people that's in Japan. They're in the blue zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those people live quite a long time because their diet has a little bit lower percentage of protein, so it's slightly less than 20%. Whereas something higher, like 25%, has um, a little bit shorter life experience or life expectancy, but 
way better for reproduction. So yeah. they did. They gave an example of the study, and they had some blowflies, and they said they could replicate this because blowflies they can actually go through their entire lifespan quite easily, like within yeah. about forty days. Okay. And so those flies that were on the low protein diet lived to forty days, mm. but they had really small balls. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the diet but the uh, the flies that had a really high protein diet had really big balls <laughs> and didn't live as long. <laughs> they didn't live as long, but they reproduced. Yeah, so uh, they were able to be more fertile. So uh, yeah, it's pretty much like protein is the growth pathway. Mm. So increasing yep. your intake of protein increases the growth of cells, which is um, I guess they're trying to say you know increase protein intake, increase risk of you know excessively increase risk of maybe potential cancer risk and increased risk of, of lots of other things but obviously we see mm-hmm. if excessive protein diet or ex- excessively high mm-hmm. well it's likely to probably because of in- increased amounts of animal fats and stuff like mm-hmm. that so you know that's not necessarily a good thing so once again we're in the middle of the road we're not promoting you know I'm not promoting either. We're pretty yeah. much promoting, you know, a really good balance of all the food groups. Yeah. Uh, and that way there you can, you know, you're not going to have an awful relationship with food. You're going to have a good relationship with food where you can look at things objectively. And if you need to eat something that's not necessarily, you know, if you can be mostly plant-based and you do have something that's meat or something that's an animal product, um, you know, you're psychologically you're going to be okay with that and that's another big thing that comes with people's relationship with food and often you know choosing some of these diets can be just another way for you to be okay with restrictive eating which is something that we're obviously you know trying to get people away from and out mm. of those food labels out of that diet mindset yeah, yeah exactly because so you want something that's uh, long-term <laughs> and sustainable yep, for sure this was a great chat this is a good episode i enjoyed it yeah. so it took a little bit of an adventure that i didn't expect but i enjoyed it Awesome. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said before, Atomic Habits is our next book club or book episode. So hopefully you guys are working through either the audio book or the hard copy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a big advocate for the hard copy, but if you don't have time and you are driving lots or you're in the car or you go for a walk, you can listen to the audio book. You'll probably get lots out of it as well. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure one of of the listeners was listening to it at the moment and seeing how, you know, they're giving lots of little references. Go to the website here or do something you know follow up with all these things so you can kind of get some resources from it that you may not necessarily get from the hard copy as well Mm. so there are benefits to to both but that's for book club hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next Next week. week